we're going to listen. I got something I want you guys to listen to. Uh, and I and we gave you those notes. It's called Mission Impossible because everything that we're talking about is. Uh, I've showed you this is our solution to this very very major problem here in uh, Harrisburg, in this region, and throughout the country mm-hmm. of people divorcing churches. We're offering solutions. First of all, we're going to um, uh, begin focusing on the benefits of a faith family. And also, since people leave the church or people don't come to church, then the other solution, we've actually been doing this one the last few months, is we're going to them. Mm-hmm. We're going to them. We're not waiting for them to come to us. We're going to them. Rather, it's at the Career Link, the Women's Shelter, and whatever the doors the Lord opens up for us. We're going to them. We're go- we've stopped. Some of you may not know that that watch us regularly, but we've stopped waiting for people to come to urban life. We're taking urban life to where they are mm-hmm. and it has been an awesome experience as we're watching this uh, what God is doing and now we want to just this is specifically for our team that we're going to talk about mission impossible because that's what it feels like <laughs> what we've been called to do mission impossible it's just a little small team but remember the TV show mission impossible wasn't it a small team It was. but a small team was able to go in and change the destiny of nations. nations. Yeah. So I want you guys just to listen right now to Mission Impossible uh, with Pastor Rick Godwin. Read the seven letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelations. To him that overcomes, I will give. To him that overcomes, I will give. Overcome what? He never says. See, life is a problem. The Great Commission is a problem. Getting workers is a problem. Getting people to work together is a problem. We all have problems. Everything is somewhat of a problem. But to him that overcomes the problem without asking 500 questions, wow. Look at any leader who lasts. They got there by problem solving. And the bigger the problems you solve, and the more problems you're able to solve, the bigger the paycheck. Tonight I want to talk to you about Mission Impossible. I want to read from Isaiah. Chapter 6, verse 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each had six wings, with two He covered His face, and with two He covered His feet, and with two He did cry. And there's an awesome description here of power, of God, of the angelic host around His throne, of His glory, smoke, and fire. And verse 5, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth, and he says, Lo, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, this is Isaiah, Here am I, send me. The top ten most widely distributed books or writings, according to Groyer's Electronic Encyclopedia, were first the Bible, 2.5 billion copies so. Second was quotations from Mao Zedong, a communist Chinese leader. The third Noah Webster's Spelling Book. 
the fourth all-time bestseller, a Jehovah's Witness track entitled The Truth That Leads to Eternal Life. And the fifth one was one I had never heard of, an essay by a man who lived at the end of the last century and the beginning of this one. He drowned in the sinking of the Lusitania, May 7, 1915. He was the source of Jackie Kennedy's favorite quotation, Never explain. Your friends don't need it. Your enemies won't believe you anyway. His name was Elbert Hubbard. The essay so widely distributed was called A Message to Garcia. The background of the essay was the Spanish-American War in 1898. When America was at war with Spain, it was vital she secure the cooperation of the Cubans. The Cubans were being led then by an insurgent general named Garcia. So it was necessary to communicate quickly with this leader. No one knew where he was in all of Cuba. So I'm reading partially from a message to Garcia. When war broke out between Spain and the United States, it was very necessary to communicate quickly with the leader of the insurgents. Garcia was somewhere in the mountain vastness of Cuba. No one knew where. No mail nor telegraph message could reach him. President McKinney must secure his cooperation and quickly. What to do? Someone said to the president, there's a fellow by the name of Rowan who will find Garcia for you if anybody can. Rowan was sent for and given a letter to be delivered to Garcia. How the fellow by the name of Rowan took the letter, sealed it up in an oilskin pouch, strapped it over his heart, in four days landed by night off the coast of Cuba from an open boat, disappeared into the jungle, and in three weeks came out on the other side of the island, having traversed a hostile country on foot and delivered his letter to Garcia, are things I have no special desire now to tell in detail. The point I wish to make is this. President McKinney gave Rowan a letter to be delivered to Garcia. Rowan took the letter and did not ask, where is he? By the eternal, there is a man whose form should be cast in deathless bronze and the statue placed in every college of the land. It is not book learning young men need, nor instruction about this and that, but a stiffening of the backbone which will cause them to be loyal to a trust, to act promptly, concentrate their energies, and do the thing, carry a message to Garcia. Now this was written a long time ago, so the language might be slightly different than we would use today. But how often do voices outside the church speak louder than voices inside? Sometimes the world can preach a better message than we can. You see, as believers, we want promotion, we want success, we want influence, we want power for godly things. But often we forget that power, success, and influence is always guarded by problems. See, real power, real influence, and promotion are always reserved for problem solvers. And many Christians were never taught life is difficult. Because the sovereign God who made this world and allowed it to fall in sin to produce a problematic atmosphere was so His people through the revelation of His Word and the cooperation of the Holy Spirit could rise, overcome, and be promoted. The Bible is the greatest success book ever written. Any success book you read in any business section always copies principles from Proverbs and from scriptural principles without giving credit to the Bible. They just stole it. 
But life is full of problems and difficulties. I heard about a guy having breakfast and he had four long distance calls. All of them were a crisis. All of them were demanding he come immediately. So he told his wife to skip breakfast while he rushed out to the garage to get his car. However, the car wouldn't start. So unable to start the car, he had to call a cab. While he's waiting on the cab, another long distance call comes with an urgent, desperate call for his presence. Finally, the cab arrives. The guy jumps in, falls against the back seat. He tells the cabbie, let's go. The cab driver says, where do you want to go, sir? The man says, anywhere. I got problems everywhere. <laughs> Life is full of problems, and we have to learn to solve them. Principle number one on your paper was that power is guarded by problems. Principle number two, people who win and discover real joy in life are people who not only recognize that, but who become overcomers of these problems and difficulties. People who discover and find real joy and success are people who find a way to overcome problems and difficulties. A man who was a chicken farmer was wiped out every year with flooding, killing thousands of his chickens. After the third flood, he was financially devastated. He laid his head on the kitchen table and he told his wife, we're finished. I'm through. I don't know what to do. And his wife, who never commented at all, said, buy ducks. <laughs> you know, sometimes. I was reading an article this past week by John Mason. We have some of his books down there. They're inspirational. Many of the Psalms were born in difficulty. Most of the epistles were written from prison. Most of the greatest thoughts of the greatest thinkers of all time had to pass through fire. Paul Bunyan had to write Pilgrim's Progress from jail. Florence Nightingale, too ill to move from her bed, reorganized the hospitals of England. Semi-paralyzed and under constant menace of apoplexy, Pasteur was tireless in his attack on disease. During the greatest part of his life, American historian Francis Parkman suffered so acutely he couldn't work for more than five minutes at a time. His eyesight was so wretched he could only scrawl a few gigantic words on a manuscript. But he continued and wrote 20 magnificent volumes of history. Bury a person in the snow of Valley Forge and you get George Washington. Raise him in abject poverty and you've got Abraham Lincoln. Strike him down with infantile paralysis, he becomes Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Burn him so severely, doctors say he will never walk again. You get Glenn Cunningham, who set the world's record for one mile in 1934. Have him or her born black in a society filled with racial discrimination. You got Booker T. Washington, George Washington Carver, or Martin Luther King Jr. Call him a slow learner and retarded. Write him off as uneducatable. You've got Albert Einstein. Folks, as I was taught many, many years ago, the only way you get a rainbow is with some rain. Come on. At the end of the day, all of life is about solving problems. In Hubbard's words, this is continuing in his article, the world is pursuing and searching for these kinds of people. What kind? The kind that can deliver a letter to Garcia. Listen to this quote. Civilization, this is Mr. Hubbard, civilization is one long search for just such individuals. Anything such a man asks will be granted. His kind is so rare, no employer would dare let him go. He is wanted in every town, city, and village, in every store, shop, office, factory, and church. The world is crying out for a people who can deliver a message to Garcia. 
He goes on to say, General Garcia is dead now, but there are other Garcias. How many know there are still problems and still tasks facing all of us? No man who has endeavored to carry out an enterprise where many hands were needed has not been appalled at times by the average man's inability or unwillingness to just concentrate on a thing and get it done. Instead, it seems that slipshod assistance, foolish inattention, lazy indifference, and half-hearted work seem to be the rule. Hubbard goes on to write, put the matter to a test. You are now sitting in your office. You have six clerks outside your office. Call any one of them in and make this request. Please look in the encyclopedia and make a brief memorandum for me concerning the life of Corrigio. Will the clerk quietly say, yes, sir, and do the task? I think not. He will look at you out of a fishy eye and ask one or more of the following questions. Who was he? Which encyclopedia? Was I hired for that? What's the matter with Charlie doing it? Is he dead? Is there any hurry? Why don't I bring you the book and you look it up? And I will lay you ten to one that after you have answered the questions and explained how to find the information, the clerk will go off and get one other clerk to do it. If you are wise, you won't bother to explain to your assistants that Corrigio is indexed under the seas, not the case. You'll just smile sweetly and say, never mind, I'll go look it up myself. You know, church, as I get older, and I am older, I find myself now saying what older men said to me when I was younger. If I didn't have problems, I wouldn't need you. The world wouldn't need us if it didn't have a problem. If the Lord didn't face a problem, there'd be no need for you and I. Have you ever thought about that? Everybody on any employment anywhere is a problem solver. That's a fact of life. Principle number three on your paper. If you're ever going to do anything significant, you won't do it alone. You won't do it alone. God has designed His creation with that principle. Even Jesus had a team to accomplish His purpose. When a business or a church begins to grow, problems develop. So what do you do? You then begin to hire a helper. And if that helper helps, great. But sometimes help is not so helpful. Sometimes they have their own agenda and not yours. And at that moment, that employee becomes lost, not gain. Listen to Dr. Hubbard again. We have recently heard, remember this is just before the last century, we have recently heard that there are a lot of complaints about the downtrodden denizen of the sweatshop, the homeless wanderer searching for honest employment, and with it we have heard many harsh words for the men in power, management. But nothing is ever said about the employer who grows old before his time in a vain attempt to get ne'er-do-wells to do intelligent work, nor for the employer's long patience, striving with help that does nothing but loaf when his back is turned. In every store and factory there is a constant weeding out process going on. The employer is constantly sending away help that have shown incapacity to further the interest of the business. And others are being taken on. No matter how good the times are, that sort of thing continues. Only if times are hard and the work is scarce, then the sorting is even finer. But out and forever out, the incompetent and unworthy will go. It is survival of the fittest. Self-interest prompts every employer to keep the best those who can carry a message to Garcia. Pretty strong language, but it's pretty tough truth. It's good, tough love. I live in the same world you do, eat in the same restaurants you do, go to the same service businesses you do. Everything I have read says that the service rate in America is appalling. I listened to a Harvard MBA 
who was a former CEO of Taco Bell say that today people rate great service as going to a store and getting what you wanted. How many of you know that ought to be normal, not great? But today, if you get lucky and you go in and you want a 16 and a half shirt with 35 inch sleeves in blue in cotton and you get it, it was a great experience. Because even that doesn't happen much. It's so bad, this nation will reward and promote anybody who cares even a little about what's going on. Just this past week, I spent my money and bought some wash cards as gift certificates on my credit card. And my card didn't come. The other three cards came. I bought four. And then I called the wash call number one. I didn't get my card. What happened to my card? Well, we've lost the receipt. Can you find a receipt? I said, excuse me. Now I'm at the desk. You lost the receipt. I gave you my card. You rung it off and I signed it. You took my receipt. You put it on those cards or nobody would make a card. So my money is in your bank account. You, incompetent, have lost my receipt. You have my money. And you want me to find a receipt? And I asked this guy, why should I find a receipt? You lost it. You have my money. You couldn't even have given me these cards. Well, I know that, but, but, but what? Didn't want to work. Didn't want to do it. Didn't want to think. Well, sir, I don't have authority. You will have to call the main office. Give me the number. Call the main office. Same thing. A woman answers the phone. She's not interested in solving my problem. She's interested in telling me what my problem is. Sir, we've lost the receipt. We don't have the receipt. Can you find a receipt? So you want to make me pay you and then go do your work that you lost for me. I said, it's obvious that I paid you. You couldn't have given me three cards and messed so up. She says, yeah, that's true. I says, well, now, if I were running that company, you'd get the card today, and I'd find out how we lost or where the receipt is, because it's obvious we have your money. This took two days, five calls, but I wouldn't get the receipt. I kept pitching it to the boss in management and finally had them do the work. But I thought, how insane if you are a businessman and you are trying to make money and you have employees who want to make the customer work who's paid his money for your stupid problem. I don't understand that. I'm not going to give you any sympathy. I am going to give you the wrath of God. I am not going to give you sympathy. Somebody has got to father these people and say, my God, he didn't make the mistake. You did. Therefore, you say, I don't know what the problem is, but I'm going to, and plus, I said, I'm a 10-year customer. I'm not a rookie. I just walked in. I want a car wash card. Look on your computer. I have a record. I have in my pocket a card from American Airlines. Executive Platinum, top 2% in the nation. That's a curse. That's not a blessing. It says 4 million miles. How many of you know I'm not a rookie? I didn't just get my frequent flyer card. I've been spending, even if it's other people's money, to reimburse me $10,000 a month in those days to fly. And I went to London, they lost my bag. Three days, lost my bag. So I had to go buy underwear, I had to buy a suit, had to buy a shirt, had to buy a tie. Three days, they lost American Airlines back. 
And I have to go through a bureaucracy for a few hundred dollars. And then I began, finally got up as high as I could get on the, somebody to talk to me to say, why can't you pull me up on the computer? Why, before you even call me to handle my complaint, why don't you first see who you're talking to? This is not a one-timer. This is a, this is a reputable person with a history with us. This is obviously a real frequent flyer who spends a lot of money with us. And it's obvious he's not a joke. And so, make a long story short, you have to tell the business what they need to do to fix the problem. And that happens every week of my life. And I thought, this is insane. We are a capitalist nation. We ought to be the best at this in the whole world. But those people don't deserve a living. And it's getting to where you have to beg people to help you. Like, I helped you. Like, you did me a favor and I paid for it. Duh. You didn't do me a favor. I'm profit. You're overhead. (laughs) Principle number four. Yeah, amen. This is tough. This is really eating at me. Principle number four, the employer is trying to find people who can help him with his problem, which is serving people, servicing people. He puts up a sign, help wanted. I don't put up a sign, problems needed, help wanted. See, in a church we say, we need help. We don't need more experts who can define the problem. We need folks who can solve the problem and take a message to Garcia. And that person will be rewarded. Principle five, when you are involved in something, discover the problem, embrace the problem, and become an independent thinker. Become an independent thinker. Don't we ever say to our children, at least once we've said it to our children, do you have to be told to do everything? Listen, mine are in their 20s, and Cindy still says that. Okay, so forget just being little, and some of us are 40. Do you have to be told everything to do? Whatever happened to creativity, to initiative? When you go in, even airlines and companies, they don't seem to be able to make a call based on a judgment. They live by policy. Well, our policy is, and they can't discern This is an unusual situation. And so I empower you to make a call that's right and fair and in the best interest of the person. And if you make a mistake, you won't be lashed for it. We'll talk about maybe what to do in the future, but I salute you for taking the initiative to do something. And I believe if I could hire those kind of people at an airline where people check in, where people get a real problem, who just said, look what's happened to you. I've never seen a complicated thing like this in my life. i got a seat in first class. I'm giving you a free upgrade right there. Just take that. No questions asked. And I'll have a fit. I'll probably foam at the mouth and fall down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What does that cost you? But our policy is if you don't have this and this, you couldn't get the free upgrade, la, 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 la. I'm just saying it would just wonderful. And every now and then you run into somebody like that, a thinker. He just says, take that too. There's no charge for that. That's why if we get a bad tape, I told Deanna, no charge. You not only get a good tape back, get your money back. And if it's unusual, throw in a book, a Bible, tapes, a picture of Corzine, anything. Throw it in there. Give it to them. Sorry, it's our fault. We'll eat it. Because in the long term, 
It's the wow factor. It's, it's going beyond what's expected. Have you noticed that God doesn't give us details about everything? Listen to the Great Commission. Go into the world, preach the gospel to every creature. That's a problem. That's pretty generic. But he doesn't tell me how. Are y'all listening? He doesn't tell me how. Who wrote the book on how? It's a problem. Principle six. Because the Lord is looking for people with initiative. Initiative. So why don't you pray? Ask the Holy Spirit how to overcome this problem of the Great Commission where we live. In our culture. In our city. In our day. Read the seven letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelations. To him that overcomes, I will give. To him that overcomes, I will give. Over and over. Overcome what? He never says. See, life is a problem. The Great Commission is a problem. Getting workers is a problem. Come on. Getting people to work together is a problem. We all have problems. Right? Everything is somewhat of a problem. But to him that overcomes the problem, to the one that can take a message to Garcia without asking 500 questions, where is he? How do I get there? How much money do I need? Who's going to pay for my ticket? No, nope. Rowan walks into President McKinney. McKinney says, I need this message delivered to Garcia. Rowan says, I'll take it. Turns around and walks out. Wow. Look at any leader who lasts. They got there by problem solving. And the bigger the problems you solve, and the more problems you're able to solve, the bigger the paycheck. Even Jesus said, to whom much is given, much shall be required. See, if you can't handle where God's got you, why would He give you more? If we can't handle 2,500 people a weekend, why would God give us 5,000? You see? But I believe we are being good stewards, and I believe we are proving our capacity to learn to do it better. At least we're all trying to do it better. I think most all of us are. So God says, more problems, bigger payoff if you can solve them. So you want to be sure you're in a place that solves problems, not creates them. Because <laughs> if you create them and there's a downturn, we become expendable, don't we? All of us do. Principle number seven. The kingdom of God is extended through problem solving. That's creative initiators whose brand of discipleship is marked by an overcoming attitude. See, they refuse to stay bogged down by jungles that stand in their way to accomplish their task. Sometimes you feel helpless. And I want to tell you, sometimes I do too. But that's a part of the overcoming we have to do. In Mark 16, it's the Great Commission. But we always quote Matthew. But look in Mark 16, or I'll just quote it to you. Principle number 8 is found in verse 20. Mark 16, verse 15, it's the same. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. In verse 20, it says that as they went, the Lord worked with them. That's principle 8. The Lord worked with them. And the implication is they initiated, they went forth, and as they went, then the Lord worked with them. But if we just ask questions, how, where, with what, what do I say? No, no. Principle 9, God just says, go. Just go. And in every age and in every culture, God lets us figure it out. He will go with me, but I have to solve the problem. Then he enters into it with me. See, my fear is not failing. My fear is not trying. I fear that have I done enough? 
Have I been thoughtful enough? Have I been creative enough? There has got to be a way around, through, or over this sucker. There is a way through this culture. And so I'm always reading and listening and asking questions and probing myself and just any clue that could take us somewhere else. And it's not in my camp. It's anywhere I go with any place anybody's been. We might learn something from a cult that's a, that's a principle, not a doctrine. And it might be effective. But the average religious thinker could not imagine. When I was in... Portugal, Lisbon, Portugal. I spoke to 100 pastors through an interpreter, and they hate the Catholic Church. I mean, in Europe, they hate the Catholic Church. And I was talking about why their little church was so small in Paris and why it was ineffective. Because their issue was being right and they didn't serve anybody. And I remember using Mother Teresa as an example of influence, not doctrine. He refused to translate me because the hatred for Catholics and Mother Teresa, his issue was Catholicism. Mine was servanthood. And the guys all were bilingual for the most part, I found out, because they kept egging me to go on, and I just shut this idiot up and just went on and preached the best I could to say, you guys understand that I'm talking about not her doctrine, her life. That if you serve people, that's a Bible doctrine. And we could find models of it who maybe are not our particular belief, but who are doing a better job of it than we are, and we could learn from people like that. So there are problems God wants to walk us through and give us victory over, but He won't show up before you do. How do you know how they went and did the gospel? See, I'll challenge any pastor anywhere in the New Testament to tell me how to do church. I can tell you a generic, we know they preached, we know they sang, we know they prayed, we know they fasted, we know there were offerings, but you don't know what order, and you definitely don't know how long. And yet we've got it all down, don't we? And we haven't changed it in the last 200 years. Yet it isn't Bible, and it's a method. Preaching is a principle. How is a method. Therefore, there are no rules on us about how to be effective at all. Some people are incensed that we can't have church in less than two hours or an hour and a half. But who says? Well, I, here we go. Anytime a man says, well, I think, well, he just told you, I don't know. It's a tradition. It's his bias. But it's not the Word of God or he'd quote it to me. Bang, bang. I mean, it's like, thou shalt not commit adultery. Okay, no debate on that one. But you can't do that about doing church. And therefore, you've got to loosen up and lighten up instead of saying, well, people today are just mean and don't love God and ungod. Oh, shut up. No, it just proved we're ineffective in reaching them. I bet you if Jesus came back today, he wouldn't be in a robe. He'd have a suit on and he'd have a way to connect with our city and a way to connect with our culture. Guarantee you he would. He's the sum of all wisdom. We've got to be at least that smart a little bit. We have the same Holy Spirit. Principle number 10. By the way, we used to have a saying in the South, Ron. I don't know if you had it in Texas. It's bad English, but it's a good principle. Can't, never could do nothing. That's the way we said it. Can't, never could do nothing. It can't. Principle 10. Isaiah had an encounter with the Lord, and the Lord says, Who will go for us? And Isaiah responds, Here am I, send me. Isaiah was a forerunner of the kind of a man who could take a message to Garcia. 
That's probably one of the reasons he was such a great prophet. Others argued with the Lord. I'm too young. I'm too old. I can't speak. I'm just the son of a shepherd. I'm the least in my father's house. Isaiah said, hey, it ain't much, but here am I. Send me. Give me a shot at it. He didn't ask where or how or how soon can I take my family who's paying the airfare. It's really that simple. Just before we close, how many remember with me the TV series Mission Impossible? I watched, like my wife watches ER, I watched that (laughs) weekly program. I loved it. And I'm only now beginning to realize why I loved it. The program always started the same way. Jim Phelps, played by Peter Graves, I believe, would receive a tape. He would play it. Good morning, Jim. Your mission, should you decide to accept it, is. And the tape would only play once. Then it self-destructed. Could never work in the church. (laughs) (laughs) We only heard it once. That's all he had. One shot. Church would be real trouble. And what the guy on the tape was saying to Jim, your problem, Jim, if you're willing to tackle it, is. And it was always something incredible, like bringing down an insurgent political leader who's trying to overthrow the government and see to it that the right guy, photo enclosed, is put in power. Wow. Let me show you one with Tom Cruise. Anthony Hopkins is speaking to Tom Cruise, who's playing the role of Jim Phelps in Mission Impossible. I don't think I can get her to do it. You mean it'll be difficult? Very. Well, this is not mission difficult, Mr. Hunt. It's mission impossible. Difficult should be a walk in the park for you. Isn't that it? I don't think I can do it. You mean it's too difficult? Yes. I love that. I love Anthony Hopkins, number one. But I love the thought, this is not mission difficult. This is mission impossible. Some of you signed up for uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Some guys and preachers and leaders are just too nice. You're too nice to be effective. This is not Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. This is not an easy task. It's totally impossible without the power and help of God and a creative spirit. Difficult ought to be easy for most of us. And he never tells Jim how to do it. Why? Because Jim Phelps is a man who can deliver a message to Garcia. And Jim immediately assembles his team, bomb experts, electronic experts, and they assess the problem and develop a plan for several weeks to pull off the mission. The church ought to be a mission impossible team. God should be able to say to us, your mission, Eagle's Nest, should you decide to accept it, is. Then God expects some initiative. And don't we delight as parents when our children do something for themselves that we don't have to tell them to do? So does God the Father. Let me tell you the difference between a slave and a son. A slave does only what he's told. A son can initiate. He sees the grass is too high and the yard's looking nasty and he just cleans it up. Cuts the grass and daddy didn't make it. And dad said... What happened? Ah, the guard was looking nasty. I just cut it. Good boy. Good boy, son. You want the car tonight? Good boy. You know, you made your bed. You washed your sheets. You washed the dishes for mom. And nobody threatened your life. And nobody asked you. You just initiated. You saw something broken and you fixed it in the church. You saw something less than excellent. You paid out of your own pocket. You went out of the way. You dealt with it. Kaboom. We love you. Your kind is rare. 
You're always going to be valuable. You see it? So God's looking for industrious, responsible people. My challenge to us is to become problem solvers. Stop always needing help from everybody. Ask God for wisdom and inspiration to solve the problem. I can't tell you how to make your department great. That's why God put you there. Now, if you're chosen to be President of the United States, and you've never been overseas, how can you have an international policy? Very simple. You bring in international consultants who are in your cabinet who handle foreign affairs. How do you handle economic policy if you're not trained in that? You're a great leader, but you're not trained. Then you get economic advisors. And they are supposed to be experts on domestic policy. What you elect a president for is not all-knowing. It is the ability to take the best information and ideas and make the call. That's what David did. That's what any great leader can do. If you will give me three choices or two choices, I can make the call in one second. But I can't think it up for you. When my pastor told me to take young married couples, I'd never done it. I didn't have any books on it. Didn't know if there were any. This is back in the early 60s. I had to think, create, ask, and decide. So everybody on staff needs to become an expert in your area. You ought to be smarter than me in that area. Because I don't have a passion for every area. Playground innovation. I ain't got a book on it. I don't have a clue. But if you give me some choices, I can make them just like that. You see what I'm saying? So if you're paid staff or volunteer staff, your value is creative ideas. Getting out in the world, finding out what other people are doing. Not friends, anybody. Anybody succeeding. What the heck are they doing? How do they do it better than you? Phone call, letter, internet, find out something about it and say, hey, they've already done it. It's great. Let me show this to my department head. Let me show this to Rick. And I am eager for ideas and creative thinking. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. We're going to have to add another service. Where should we add it? And probably should be an hour. The more I add, the less I won't. <laughs> Shorter is better, right? One last thought and we pray. Cindy was showing me a People magazine four or five years ago, and it had a story on the front page of kids who got full scholarships and never paid a dime in school but weren't smart. And the whole idea was a mom could not afford to send her daughters to college, so they wrote 750 letters in the school they wanted, applying for every scholarship they could find on the computer that was listed. And some of them sit idle in storerooms for years, unappropriated. And if you're the only one asking for it, you get it. And they paid for four years of college free. Pretty clever, innovative thing. What do you got to lose? We don't have the money, but we can write 700 letters applying for every scholarship we see. You don't care what it is, the money comes. And they got enough to pay. Did I say that correctly, honey? Wasn't that about right? People magazine, front page. And you got the idea, and I think even Chrissy picked up a couple of scholarships to help us a little bit because she applied for a couple and nobody got them, and she got them. Free money sitting out there. Well, I didn't know that. Well, that's the idea. We got to be smart. 
And so we read and we listen and we look. Well, I just read my Bible. Well, then you'll stay broke most of your life. You better read Newsweek. You better read some things that educate us about what's available out there. What's going on? You're living life too small. Talk to other people. Give some advice. You can always say no, but man, advice is cheap. Get it. Get lots of it in the multitude of counsel. There's safety. Now you know why he was one of my absolute favorites. Uh, this is a um, training that we went through in our home church many years ago. And we, my brother played it to establish for us and the leaders that it's not the senior pastor's job to come up with everything. That's why we were there. He put me and Carol over the youth ministry. We had never been over youth ministry before, so he was not expecting us to keep coming to him. Well, how do we start it? How do we set up? We didn't how have do we get young people? We ain't even hardly got no teenagers. How do we get this thing going? Well, what kind of lessons? Where do we get the curriculum from? And so what I've encountered, and I put Harrisburg down, but what I've encountered since we've been here is every time we present somebody with something, they, then they come back with all the questions. Like you said, that's not sending a message to Garcia. To Garcia. That guy walked in. You know, we need you to get this message to Garcia. Okay, fine. Walks out the door. He ain't asked, where is he? How do I get there? How do I know? Just go do it. That's what it takes. And that's what it's definitely going to take here in Harrisburg. Because what we've encountered is exactly everything he said. We asked people to do things. And he said, remember the clerks? Five, 500 questions. But what? That's not helping. Because I know that the mentality here has been... Uh, especially since you got a lot of leaders who are micromanagers, you got to ask the leaders everything to do. And that ain't never been us. So I know that that's probably been where people have struggled with my leadership style because this brother, what he described, that's my leadership style. When I ask people to do things, then that means go do it. Well, how do I do it? Go find out. <laughs> what? Is That's it? Yeah, go find out how to do it. I was put in charge of a youth ministry, put in charge of the business of a church so I started going to seminars and workshops that were being held to find out how to do it my brother couldn't tell me he wasn't a financial wizard he's, he's a pastor so if he puts me in charge of running the business of a nonprofit organization and of a church it's not his job to give me the answers he gave me the job which means I gotta go find out how to do it which I did only thing I would go and ask for say, well, that workshop, I need to attend a workshop on nonprofit, how to run a nonprofit and how to run a church and how to handle the taxes and how to do payroll. And so that the, it's an all day workshop and it's going to be one hundred and fifty dollars. We'll see. That's a question for him. I need the one hundred and fifty dollars to get in that class, but not the question of how do I run a program? How do I how do I set up payroll? He don't know. That was my job. And that's what we've been trying to establish these 12 years. <laughs> but I realize we're in a community where people are not accustomed to being empowered. That when I say I need you to do such and such, I need you to do the children's ministry, I need you to keep this, you know, the area clean. I need to, well, where are we going to get a vacuum from? What the. <laughs> Just, that's what I mean. <laughs> uh-huh. 
But many people, I've, I found out later, they were been under leaders and pastors where they couldn't do anything. You know, they, they, a pastor wouldn't say, just, I want you to clean the church. They would pass me like, uh, uh, I want you to go and get the vacuum, and I want you to clean up the auditorium, and I want you to vacuum under the chairs, and I want you to make sure you get to clean up the bathroom. And, I want you, and I'm like, see, I don't even do my own kids like that. No. That's what I mean. But people have been under that for so long that it was very difficult. And many have struggled with my leadership style, but my leadership style, this is what I've been trained under. This is what this is what's going on in the White House. This is what's going on downtown it's at the Capitol. In any in successful any successful organization. Venture. Yeah. The, the 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 boss, the owner, you hire people to solve problems. Mm-hmm. And like you said, if if you if uh and I see why so many people have lost their jobs because they got on jobs, they got hired, and they didn't understand especially as black people, they didn't understand you don't keep coming back to the boss asking them everything. They're expecting you to go and not know how to do the job, but go find out how to do the job. Google it. I I Googled a lot of stuff. (laughs) Chris, I want you to make a chart out of Excel and to do such and such. And And so I couldn't come back to the person that just asked me to do it and say, well, how do I do that? Give that starts setting up. That, that starts setting it. up in their mind that like you're. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah. You're in it. So they would ask. There, of course, there were things that they asked me to do that I had never ever done before. What did I do? I went straight to Google. Look it up. How do you create this kind of chart using Microsoft Excel? And with. Find out how to do it and get the work done, and they'd come back. Oh, Chris, great job! There have been times I didn't know what to do, and how many of y'all done this? Holy Spirit! Yes, indeed. I have never done this before. Yep. They're asking me to do a sword. They're asking me to do a mail merge, and this is a yep. software I've yep. never used yep. before. Holy Spirit, help me! Yep. Show me how to do this. Yep. That's problem solvers. That's initiatives initiators and what has happened to us this is where i want to end here what has happened to urban life is that we encountered a problem we wanted to know how to since we couldn't get anybody to come to church how can we get to them mm-hmm. remember that we prayed to our lord how do we get to them mm-hmm. we asked god for an answer how to get to them god sent us an answer he said become life coaches mm-hmm. if you become life coaches you'll be able to get to them even though they don't come to us. And so what did we do? That meant we had to go to school. We had to go and get this, you know, get the certification, go and learn how to do it. But that's what ministry takes. Remember he said, Bible don't tell us how to do the Great Commission. So God had an answer for us to get out of these walls. The pastors had to rebrand themselves, take on a whole new title, Call yourself life coach, not just call yourself, go get certified right. and become life coaches. If you do, it'll get you out there. And it happened. Yeah. Now we're out there, which is where we want it to be. And we're what? We're doing the Great Commission, but we ain't doing it the way it's always been done. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Come and give God a hand. <laughs> and that's what we're challenging everybody. Yeah. So on your job, right where we are, I know we're a different church. Yeah. You know, we got Hershey house parents. Mm-hmm. They're out on the job, mm-hmm. out on the job, mm-hmm. out on the job. You're right there in the community praying every day. Mm-hmm. It ain't in the church building because all, all, 
traditionally has been thought of noonday prayer in the church coming out to the building God's different everything is different and for us to not be intimidated or feel like we're useless because God gave us another way remember that part of his prayer at the end you know what's God's strategy for us he said in your city what's the strategy in your city this may not work everywhere I may not be able to go to St. Louis and tell everybody, y'all got to become life coaches and get out into the street. That may not work there, but it works here because that's what he required of us. And now what we're trying to do is to duplicate ourselves, keep empowering people. When folks come to Urban Life and they will come as a result of the life coaching and us being out there where people are then this is what we want to bring them into. We want to bring them to a faith family where they can get their confidence built up, where they can even learn things like this, that when you go to work, don't be the person that's constantly asking how to do this and how to do it and trying to get everybody. No, you got to become one of the creative initiators. You got to make yourself one of the people that's an asset, mm-hmm. not an expense. <laughs> <laughs> you got to make yourself one of the problem solvers on your job get out of that pattern and thinking that somebody's always got to come alongside you and help you help you to do the assignments no come on now learn how to find out yeah mm-hmm. thank you lord mm-hmm. do you have anything dear nope all right nope. well that's good that that's it so I, w- I want you to always remember that take a message to garcia and um, that's the kind of leadership team that we must be. That's the kind of church we must be. That's the kind of believers it's going to take for this hour. Uh, you got to be those kind of people that, uh, that I love that story. President can just call you up and say, I need you to get a message to Garcia. And without a question, just say, I'll do it. Like Isaiah. Lord, here I am. Send me.